0: It's great to see you all here this morning. And we are in week two of a series that we have called The Power of Clarity. And I want to start just by introducing myself. My name is Justin Ross. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Church. And last week we, we talked about having clarity in our faith. And I don't know if you remember or not, but those of us that were here last Sunday, I told the story of John Kavanaugh. John worked with Mother Teresa in Calcutta, India, and he was caring for the sick and the dying. And if you remember, John asked Mother Teresa to pray that he would have clarity. He wanted clarity in his life for the decisions and for the things that he was facing in his life. And if you remember, Mother Teresa responded by saying, no, I will not do that. I will not pray that you have clarity. And he was surprised by her answer, and he asked her why, and she explained Clarity is the last thing that you are clinging to, and you must let go of And taken aback, he said, but you seem to have clarity from God, Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa laughed, and she said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. You see, in this life that we're living in, oftentimes things are not clear. Oftentimes, things are very cloudy, very fuzzy. Oftentimes, what we have is just enough light for the next step to take. The power of clarity. You know, I find it fascinating that it's in those times, it's in those times when things seem to be most unclear, it's in those times that we seek after God the most. Most times, Most of the time, when people are coming to church for the first time, they're coming because, man, they want clarity. They want to find some source of hope, some source of peace, some source of faith. It's the times that things are most unclear. It's those times that we seek after God the most. It's those times that we can't figure it out on our own. You see, when we can do it in and of ourselves, who needs God in those moments? But when we cannot do it, in and of ourselves, that's when we so desperately cry out for some help, for some hope, for some light. Last week, we talked about two big theological words. The words were substitutionary atonement. And Very simply put, we we realize that this is the essence, this is the core of our faith. We realize that Jesus was our substitute on the cross, okay? Jesus actually lived, okay? He was born He lived and he actually died and he died in your place. He died in my place. He was our substitute and he atoned. He paid for all of our sin, all of our wrongdoings. You see, Jesus has satisfied the demands of justice created by a holy God. And when you stand before God, there is a day coming, a day of reckoning where you're going to stand before God. There's two options. You can try to self- atone. You can try to be good enough. You can try to Impress God with what you've done or you can hide behind the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross and friends let me tell you I would recommend highly recommend that you choose the latter that you hide behind the atoning work of Jesus on the cross the apostle Paul a man whose life had been radically changed by Jesus Christ he he said this in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 he says faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. In verse 6 of that same chapter, Paul says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek after Him. Clarity in our faith. This morning we're talking about having clarity in our leadership. And this is an important message because when it simply comes to the word leadership, there is so much misconception. There is so much misunderstanding, so many opinions. There's so much abuse of power when it comes to leadership. There's so much faulty thinking. Some, some of you here this morning may even think, like, why is leadership even necessary in the church? Why is leadership even necessary at all? Let me just say this, in church work, the stakes are sky high. We're talking about eternal life and eternal death. There is no other arena in which leadership has higher stakes. And I wish that my leadership only affected the making or the losing of money. When leaders lead well in the church and the church functions like God intended the church to function, Lost people get found. Found people grow up to to realize their full spiritual potential in Jesus Christ. Lonely people get enfolded into community. The poor get helped and served in a dignified way. Aimless, bored people who have no purpose in life. They find meaning. They find purpose. They find direction for their life. The community in which that church resides begins to find hope and help in practical ways. Listen, unbelievable things can happen when leaders step up and lead in the local church. Unbelievable things can happen. I want us to start this morning by looking at six misconceptions of leadership, six misunderstandings of leadership. And the first one is this, that leaders are born A lot of times people will say, I I can't be a leader because I'm not a natural born leader. You see, leadership is not something that people are just born with like a personality trait. Leadership is actually a teachable skill. Anyone at any time can exercise leadership when the proper principles are applied. Anyone and everyone can lead. The second misunderstanding is that leaders are always charismatic. Like they're always the... The loud, outgoing ones, right? I mean, some leaders do have a magnetic personality. And there's nothing wrong with that. But leadership is not just about personality. It's about having a depth of character. It's, it's about having this intense passion to fulfill a mission or to see a vision realized. It's about having consistent, persistent actions that further a cause. The third Misunderstanding about leadership is that leaders are the ones with the highest rank or position. Leaders are the ones with the title. People in important roles, they all have tremendous power and authority, but leadership is more about the person than the position. It's not about titles. It's not about highest rank. The fourth misunderstanding is that leadership is an ability that's only given to a few people. We've defined leadership just really simply, if you could define it in one word here at Grace Church, we've defined it as influence, and every single one of us has influence, whether it be in your home, in your workplace, in your schools, here at church, in your communities, every one of us has influence. Leadership is a continuum. I mean, there are, there are leaders who have uh, minor responsibilities that involve and Affect you know, just a few people. There are leaders that have major responsibilities that involve and affect many people, but the reality is everyone has influence. The fifth misunderstanding is that leadership is about prestige and power and status. There are certain leadership positions that bring prestige and power and status, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things as long as the leader has the right perspective and strong character. And the right motives. But leadership, okay, write this down. Remember this. Leadership is about serving others. It's it's not about being served. It's not about telling people what to do. And then the sixth misunderstanding is another really important one. And that is only adults can be leaders. Leadership, listen, leadership has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with influence. And, and listen, young people in the room here this morning, listen, listen closely, please. Young people, you don't have to grow up to be an adult to be a leader. You can be a leader right now. And young people are some of the best leaders. You know why? Because they're fearless. They're willing to go for it. willing to go. Listen, they're not only the leaders of the future, they're the leaders right now, today. Now let's talk about what good godly leadership is or what it should be like. Leadership is one of the core values here at Grace Church, and we've defined it this way. We've defined it as this. It's using our God-given influence and the power of the Holy Spirit to change the world. If you're new here to Grace, you're kind of, man, what are you guys all about? Let me just say this up front. We are not about playing church, okay? Because I have much better things to do with my time. We are about seeing God transform this region, this broken region, through the power of his Holy Spirit. And we believe that God uses his people. He, He uses the influence of his people to accomplish that through his Spirit. So it's using our God-given influence and the power of the Holy Spirit to change the world. And I want to briefly look at, at the examples and the stories of King Saul and King David to discern what type of a leader and what type of leadership pleases and displeases God. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, 1 Samuel was written by the prophet Samuel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, we read about King Saul. King Saul was Israel's king, and the scripture says that King Saul was a very tall man, very strong, very handsome, good-looking guy, just the guy that you would say, he's a leader. Man, that guy, he's got it together. And in 1 Samuel 15, we read about Saul disobeying God's instructions, and these were instructions that were communicated to him through the prophet Samuel, and in verse 12 of chapter 15, we see that Saul has drifted so far from God that he built a monument in his own honor. He built a monument to glorify himself. That's that's the type of leadership I think most of us are used to seeing, where leaders are all about themselves. And when the prophet Samuel confronted Saul over disobeying God, Saul lied. He tried to rationalize his actions. And mincing no words... Samuel tells Saul that because of his rebellion, because of his arrogance, God has rejected him as Israel's king, and God decided to replace him as the king of Israel. You move on into 1 Samuel chapter 16, and God sends the prophet Samuel to the home of Jesse in Bethlehem. And the whole reason that Samuel is going to Jesse's home is to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the next king. And when Samuel sees Jesse's firstborn, he assumes, he he sees the firstborn of Jesse, and and Samuel internally, just he's thinking, and he's saying, man, I think that's going to be the next king of Israel. I mean, look at the guy. Once again, he's looking on the outward appearance. So he assumes that God has selected Jesse's firstborn, but the Lord informs him otherwise. In verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or by his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People, us, we, we judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So critical, so important. So seven sons in all come before Samuel, and not one of them is God's choice. And Samuel then asks Jesse if all his sons are present, and he's told that the youngest, David, is off in the fields tending to the sheep, and David is sent for, and when he arrives, God tells David or Samuel, rather that David is going to be Israel's next king. And what was it about David that pleased the Lord? What was, what was the difference? The difference was that David wholeheartedly loved and trusted the Lord. And that was the foundation of his actions. God said this about David in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart. And he will do everything I want him to do. I mean, imagine if that was said about you. Like his heart, her heart is after God's. And, and he or she will do whatever God leads them to do, whenever the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, your answer is yes. Like, imagine if that was said about you. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see that David trusted the Lord so much, he had the courage to take on Goliath. A a challenge that looked foolish in the world's eyes because Goliath was a giant of a man, extremely uh, versed in in warfare, and, and just a powerful man, He was an experienced Philistine warrior, and he had been taunting and terrifying the army of King Saul for 40 days. And he was so much bigger, so much stronger than the young shepherd. But because David placed his trust in the Lord, he defeated Goliath with the help of God. David's heartfelt love for God is on display all throughout the Psalms. Right in the middle of your Bible, there's a book called Psalms, and these are songs that were written by King David, most of them. And he writes songs, and and boy, he worshiped and he adored God, and he cried out to God during difficult seasons of his life. He longed to please God, and he grieved over the times that he sinned, and he even asked God to forgive the sins that he was unaware of. I mean, his heart was to please the Lord. But we all know that David was far from perfect. As we all, we're we're all imperfect people. And David would one day abuse his power as king. And he would enter into an intimate relationship with a married woman named Bathsheba. And then he had her husband, Uriah the Hittite, he had him murdered to cover up his sin. Yet despite David's brokenness, he would continue to seek the Lord and he would continue to do the will of God and David, he strayed very far from the Lord, but the arc of David's life was aligned with God's will and God blessed him and he blessed Israel because of that. David was not perfect. You're not perfect, but God still used David and God will use you. In addition to loving the Lord, David loved the people he was responsible for leading. Psalm chapter 78 and verse 72 two very important, very critical things to to know and to learn about leadership in this verse. But David's leadership of Israel is described this way. It says, David cared for Israel with a true heart, and he led them with skillful hands. Man, in this simple verse, there are two critical aspects of leadership. The heart to love the people that one leads and the leadership skills necessary to lead well. And whatever role you're in, do you love the people that you oversee, that you lead? Do you truly love them? And are you sharpening your skills to lead them better, more efficiently, more effectively? David had both. He had a heart for his people, and he had the skills to lead well. You see, from these examples of Saul and David, we can glean important wisdom about leadership. And that wisdom is this. David was a God-centered leader. And Saul was a self-centered leader. Big difference. Big difference. But the fact of the matter still remains, many people cringe at the word leadership. And maybe it's because they've seen so much abuse of power. Maybe it's because they've experienced, you know, that dictator-type leadership where someone's always trying to tell them what to do. Maybe it's something you're afraid of because you know that God, through His Spirit, is prompting you to lead, to step up and to make a difference in whatever arena or area of life you serve in. Maybe you know that you need to use your influence. You need to use your leadership, but you're afraid to fail. Whatever it may be, you know, capturing the true picture, the the true picture of good, godly leadership, it can be really difficult. And I want to help us capture that picture this morning. I want you to walk away with a better picture of what godly leadership is should look like. And I'm going to give two examples to help us capture that picture. In the first example, we have to look to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the greatest leader of all time. He is the greatest example to follow. He is the one that we should model our leadership after. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7, he gives us some incredible insights into the leadership of Jesus. He said this, instead, Okay, we're jumping kind of right into the middle of something here in the middle of a thought. He says instead, and the question is instead of what? Now remember, Jesus came from heaven, he came to earth, and Jesus he could have used all of his God powers. Jesus was God in the bod. Okay? He came from heaven to earth, he wrapped himself in human flesh, and he could have used all of his God powers, but the Apostle Paul tells us instead Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Jesus is the greatest all-time example of servant leadership. That's what leadership should be about, is serving. He, He chose to forgo his divine privileges. Mark, one of the other disciples or followers of Jesus, he said this about Jesus' leadership in Mark chapter ten and verse forty-five, he said, "For even the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus Christ, came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give His life as a ransom for many." I mean, the type of leadership modeled by Jesus Christ was one of servant leadership. Let me let me just say, any. <laughs> Leadership role is is not something that you should covet after, especially in the church, because it means that you should lay down your life if you're going to follow the model of Jesus Christ. He laid down his life. He served others. It had nothing to do with status and, and fame and glory. It had everything to do with service. Jesus, the greatest leader of all times, is who we should model our leadership after. The second way I want us to capture the picture of godly leadership is, is by telling you a story. I want to tell you the story of a woman named Eva Whittington Self. Eva was driving home on an old country road, and she was going around a curve, and Eva was only 17 years of age, and there was a car that was passing two other cars coming directly at her, And Eva did what most 17-year-olds would do. She slammed on her brakes, and her car began to fishtail, and uh, with the other car coming straight at her, she slid off the road, she went through the guardrail, her car rolled down an embankment to the other side of an overflowing creek, and immediately she felt pain in her back and in her sides, and Eva reached down to grab her leg, and She couldn't feel anything. Eva was a basketball player. She was a cheerleader. I mean, that was her life. The paramedics rushed Eva to the hospital where she was put into a halo to to stabilize her spine, and she was also put into a striker frame bed, which is used to care for patients with injuries to the spinal column or the spinal cord. A striker frame bed is designed, the patient's laying flat, and it's designed to, to... flip the patient over from their back to their stomach very easily. And about a week and a half after the accident, Eva was going to have surgery. and She thought the surgery was going to make her walk again. She thought the surgery was going to bring the feeling back to her legs. And the doctor came into her room and he was explaining the surgery to her and how they were going to fuse her spine together and they were going to take two steel rods and they were going to put them on each side of her spine to stabilize it. And then he asked Eva if she had any questions. And this 17-year-old girl only had one question. When will I be walking again? And the doctor responded to her question and he said, Never. Never. Eva, you're never going to walk again. And so the doctor walked out of the room, and the nurses came in, and they flipped Eva onto her stomach, and she was just staring at the floor. And she screamed out to God. And she cried out to him, and she asked him why. She had no clarity in this moment. And then the Lord met her in her confusion the Lord met her in her anger and in her pain and in her lack of clarity. And at that moment, there was a knock at at her door, and a minister by the name of Ed Hall came into her room. He came into her room, and he asked Eva, how's it going? And Eva told him what the doctor had just told her, that she would never walk again, Ed Ed was a big man, and he was wearing a suit. And remember, she's face down, just staring at the floor. Ed stretched out on the ground. He laid on the ground next to her, and he just reached up, and he grabbed Eva's hand, and he cried with Eva. He didn't quote any scripture. He didn't explain any theology. He just hurt with Eva. And that is exactly what Eva needed. That, my friend, right there, is a beautiful picture of what godly leadership is. It's not about telling people what to do. It's not about being the man woman, right? It's about being with people. It's about walking with people through their journey and through their hurts and through their pain and through their joy and successes. Listen, let's be crystal clear about this. The next time you hear the word leadership here at Grace Church, I want you to think of Jesus Christ and I want you to think of Ed Hall. Because that's what we're thinking about. That's what we want, when we talk about leadership here at Grace Church, it's, it's an act of service. It's laying down your life. It's the opposite of telling people what to do. It's walking with people and journeying with people and equipping people. To close out our service this morning, I, I wanted to highlight, and I wanted to pray over some incredible leaders within Grace Church Some people who are using their God-given influence and the power of the Holy Spirit to change the world around them. And honestly, listen, these leaders would prefer that I didn't call them out, didn't bring them up, because they're humble leaders. They're servant leaders. But I have the microphone, so too bad, so sad, right? Let Let me make it clear. The reason that we're calling these people up is to pray over them, and I'm going to leave a bunch of people out and the, the incredible thing is we were thinking through different leaders in our church. There are so many people serving in so many incredible ways, and it's like Grace Church, man. Good job. It's not about titles. There's people serving in the, in the workplace, in the community, in incredible, incredible ways. So there are so many people that I'm going to leave out this morning. So if you're offended, you're just going to have to get over it. Okay. But the whole purpose, the whole reason why we're calling these people up is to pray over them. And so I want to start this morning, I want to ask um, Keith and Rochelle if you guys would come up here. And uh, Keith is one of the pastors here at Grace. He's helping to shepherd and equip the people of Grace for the work of service. And Keith is an incredible servant leader. I don't know if you know this or not, but Keith uh, cleans the church every week. Yep, cleans toilets, and he's been doing that forever, man. Yep. That's not all he does. Okay. I just want to say that as a, he serves, okay? Rochelle Rochelle leads the prayer ministry here at Grace. Honestly, one of the reasons why I'm doing this today is because of her influence. She desperately desires to see God's people depend on God more. More through prayer. Keith and Rochelle are both godly, faithful leaders at Grace Church, and they're leading through their teaching and through their counsel and through their service by cleaning the toilets. Keith and Rochelle are David-type leaders because they love the people that they lead. I also want to invite up Brad and Summer Fuqua, if you guys would come on up. I'd Brad and Summer are an elder couple here at Grace. and Brad leads the new membership Discovering Grace classes that we have to try to help people understand what Grace Church is all about. And Summer is a volunteer leader in G-Kids, and she is uh, really helping to keep things rolling while Katie is on maternity leave. Uh, Brad and Summer also lead a small group here in Durango, and, and Brad and Summer, they love people, and they love Jesus. They're both great leaders for the kingdom of God. I was going to ask Jen and Lucas if you guys would come up here. Lucas and Jen are also an elder couple here at Grace. And honestly, I have learned so much from the LaFrances about prayer. And they serve in the prayer room, and they've probably prayed over most of you in this room. And you won't meet a kinder, gentler couple and Jen and Lucas. The LaFrances, they're, they're not going to be like your type A, you know, outgoing, woo type leaders. But they have incredible influence for the kingdom, and they are leading many towards a closer walk with Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask Sydney Standridge if she'd come up here and Maya Hansen, these are two of our young leaders who are using their gifts and their talents. Sydney uh, plays the keyboard for the worship team, and she's a leader in the youth group. She also serves in G-Kids, and Amaya, she can play the guitar, y'all, all right? She's pretty good, man. She's serving on the worship team, and she, too, is a leader in the youth group. And both Sydney and Amaya are allowing God to use them to be a shining light in their church and in their community. Two incredible young We also wanted to pray over Jerry and Lauren Garrity. If you guys would come on up here. Jerry, honestly, Jerry is a prime example that you don't have to have a title to have influence. Jerry doesn't have an official title here at Grace. But if you walked out of the church building last Sunday, when there was a lot of snow, and all of your cars were, there was no snow on them? That was Jerry. While I was blabbing, he was out knocking snow off of people's cars. and I mean, He ministers in so many different ways. He, he serves at the jail. They have people into their home. Lauren serves in G-Kids. They're just an incredible source of light in this broken area. I'd also like to invite Tammy Hanson, if, if you could come up here and she and her husband, Kyle, are another elder couple here at Grace, and Kyle's out of out of town this week working, but Tammy helps us to, to be able to pull off the Global Leadership Summit that we host up at Fort Lewis College. She's the event coordinator, and honestly, we couldn't do the event without her. Tammy also oversees the SHAPE ministry here at Grace, and SHAPE stands for Spiritual Gifts, Heart, Abilities, Personality, and Experiences. And she leads an incredible... Uh, team of SHAPE leaders who they, they will walk you through that experience to help you find your giftings and how God has wired you and how God has made you and SHAPE has been a great tool for many people to find their purpose and boy to find their spiritual gifts and to really get to work for the kingdom of God and Tammy is a fantastic leader we also wanted to pray over Angelica Yabara if you could come on up Angelica Angelica has led prayer gatherings, she serves in Kids. and she, along with Brooke Mooney, they felt a prompting from God to start an event called GLOW. And the idea behind GLOW was to minister to women in this area who are broken and lonely and desperate for community, and they wanted to just pamper them for one day, and so Angelica and Brooke and many other volunteers made it happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. And many women came in to get their hair done and their nails done to get a massage. Many people, many uh, women received clothes, and uh, m- you know, many of their other needs were met. But more important than that, these women were prayed over, and they were loved, and they got a taste of what good, godly community. Angelica is an incredible leader for the kingdom of God. I also wanted to ask Chris and Becky if you guys would come up. Chris is one of the pastors here. He's helping to shepherd and equip the people of Grace for the work of service. Chris and Becky are, are also an elder couple, couple here at Grace. Uh, they are both incredible servant leaders. And Becky serves on the worship team. Chris is leading the youth ministry. But Chris has served in a variety of different roles. And his comment to me is, I, I want to do whatever helps the church of God to flourish. I love that heart. And they are both faithful leaders here at Grace through their teaching and counsel and service. And they too are David-type leaders then last, but certainly not least, I wanted to ask my beautiful bride to come on up here. Yep. Trisha, you could come stand right next to me. Trisha is the point leader for the Global Leadership Summit, and she has a huge heart to see people sharpen their skills in this area that we've been talking about this morning, of leadership. And she's a woman, and she's an incredible leader. And if it wasn't for her Prayer support and her influence, like, I would be in the loony bin, okay, seriously. But I'm going to ask that you would join me this morning in praying for these leaders, but also I'm going to pray for everyone else in here that is leading in such incredible ways. Like so many of you, if you're a leader here at Grace Church, you're leading in schools, you're leading in your family, you're influencing people. I want you to know that we see you, we recognize you. We just only have so much time in a day. So we're praying over you as well. But if you would join me in prayer for these leaders, for this church, I would greatly appreciate it. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for these incredible leaders in our church family, and thank you for providing us with such a dedicated team of men and women who work so hard in your service. And Lord, we pray for each one We pray that they would keep you as the focus of their life and that they may be surrendered to you in thought, in word, and in deed. Father, give each one godly wisdom day by day as they tackle their variety of responsibilities and ministry work. And Father, I pray that you would keep them from adopting the actions and the attitudes of this world in order to accomplish your work in this place. Father, I pray that you would keep them from becoming weary of well-doing. I pray that you would keep them from becoming discouraged in their various duties, and may each one be kept from trying to accomplish tasks in their own strength and in their own wisdom. But rather, I pray that each one may learn to rest and to abide in your love and to be open to your voice. Lord, I pray that you would give each one of these individuals a servant's heart and a caring spirit for the whole body of Christ. And may each one continue to grow in the grace and the wisdom and the knowledge that only you provide. And I pray that each one would show forth in their lives and in their homes
1: a genuine
0: love for those that they minister to and a deep, abiding love for you, Lord Jesus Christ whose name we